Welcome into another edition of the Dubcast. Bo Bishop, Johnny Ginter coming to you sort of live at night from an undisclosed location in Northeast Ohio <laughs> and a disclosed location in Central Ohio. And yes, I am basically just ripping off Tony Kornheiser's start to his show because I think it's the funniest thing I've heard uh, that he starts his show that way. And I've always aspired to be Tony Kornheiser in some way. It just seems like a nice life. Um, so, so yes, we are ripping that off and I'm doing it, acknowledging it as so. Uh, Johnny, how are you, my friend? Good to have you along. Uh, we taped the television show today and I got to meet DJ Burns for the first time. And uh, I love that wow. kid. He he spent some time in Montana, which uh, is always near and dear to my heart. And I got to tell you, I, I think that we need to work him in here a little bit. I, I want to pick at that wild brain of his a little bit. Am I wrong <laughs> in, in assuming that that would be a good choice? I think it'd be an excellent choice. He's, he's a shy dude. He, he's not one to seek out the spotlight, but we can talk. I mean, look, talk about Starcat. You know, his his beloved his beloved feline companion. Um, there's all kinds of things really that you can get into with DJ Burns. So I, I think that would be a great idea. Right. I would very much endorse that. I definitely want to do that. The other thing I want to say is I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to name names. Okay. But somebody who has a uh, Sherman T-shirt <laughs> did not know who Sherman was. Yeah, I heard so, the story. Look, I don't want to out anybody. I don't right. want to name names. But I thought of you, and I thought another thing that we should do is uh, on the pod is that we should have you, who uh, you, I think, explained to me last week, know more about William Tecumseh Sherman than anybody in, like, the state of Ohio. Yeah. And so I, I think that you should give a dissertation, uh, a little lesson on on who uh, Sherman is and why he was on the shirt <laughs> and um, uh, that he is one of the great Ohioans in history. First of all, I mean— this so again, person, not naming names. Yeah, this person who shall remain nameless, um, I feel absolutely should know this this bit of Ohio State lore, um, and I'm I'm very I'm I'm really I, upset. I, I was like, taking a drink of something when you said that, and you almost got a legitimate spit reaction because here's the other thing. Like, here's the other thing. Yeah, First of all, yeah. it's not just that this person who again shall remain nameless shall remain person, nameless. Did not know who it was. He was going around saying that it was Abraham Lincoln That's on his right. shirt. Which, and then which, I don't know what's the bigger issue that he didn't know that it wasn't Abraham Lincoln right. or that people were believing that it was Abraham Lincoln. So, so <laughs> there's two which, huge issues. Everything with, about that story infuriates yeah. me as a social studies yeah. teacher. Yeah. Like, that's, like you I'm, I'm sad. Like that makes me actually sad. The most um, recognizable United States president. Oh my God. Being passed off. William Sherman is being passed off as, he's as on the money. most recognizable United States president. In he's history. on coins and bills. Yeah. yeah. He's pretty famous. I don't. Okay. So. Yeah. So that's, quickly. that happened today as well. Yeah. So quickly Sherman, right. Famous civil war general born in Lancaster, Ohio. Um, most well known for his March to the sea where he essentially cut a swath through yes uh, georgia uh, it was about a 60 wide mile uh you know just swath of he destruction burnt georgia to the ground yeah well okay so common misconception not quite that bad south carolina actually <laughs> got it way worse than georgia did point is though is that he is still reviled throughout the south yes uh, very much spit when they uh, hear his name yep. and of course that's why we we kind of like we've parlayed that into a delightful shirt in our dry goods yep. store which you guys can obviously uh you know go to and, and purchase our, our actually our basic defense shirts are like popping. those are cool yeah so I just saw those long. yeah yeah so we're gonna get those back in stock you guys should definitely get that but Anyway, the reason why we honor William Tecumseh Sherman is because he's an Ohioan. He obviously did a lot of terrible things to the South. And, of course, 150-plus years later, we you know now can translate that into jokes about college football. So that's right. what we've done. And I, 
I and I am befuddled that someone would not know the difference between every American going to the Sherman is gonna keep me up at night. I can't deal with it. Right. Um, yeah. I, I thought it would be a problem with you. I thought you yeah, had a problem so with it. He's an Ohioan, one of the greatest uh, Civil War generals during that time period, famous for uh, you know not wanting to run for president. Um, he said that you know if nominated, I will not run, and if elected, I will not serve. He said war is hell. That frame, that famous phrase comes from him. Uh, he said it a bunch of times. But yeah. John, uh, John, real quick, I think everybody else knows who William Tecumseh Sherman. Oh, good. Okay, good. Just to be, I just all right. <laughs> I know, I know. We have the rest a, of us are all pretty well. Well, this is for one person. I don't care. This is for Pretty one well person who needs to listen to this. And I'll do it. Uh, by right, the way, so the we'll Horace Hell speech was given at the Franklin Park Conservatory grounds. And there is a monument to him uh, there here in Columbus, if you guys want to yeah, check yeah. that out. so He's a, he's a cool dude. He's a yeah, cool dude. Sorry, it's a cool sorry, shirt. Sorry, and it was, it, yeah, it, it's my favorite shirt we have. Um, okay, so that, that's, that's the preamble. Okay. Uh, the, the big meat that I want, a couple of things I want to get to the first thing I want to, usually we talk about the game right away, the past week's game, the previous game, but something kind of happened that hit home for me. And it's something you and I talked about. It happened today with Danny Clark's decommitment. Right. So I remember vividly being on the radio in Columbus, Ohio, and Danny Clark committed to Ohio state. And I remember doing a segment or two on it, uh, with Anthony Rothman, good buddy of mine. And, um, saying that it was my opinion that uh this was a huge mistake that if you allow, if you give a scholarship if you offer a scholarship to a 14 or 15 year old who is going to be a freshman starting quarterback at Massillon High School in Ohio <laughs> you are putting the, uh, the 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 amount of pressure on that kid that very few could handle yeah that's the first thing the second thing is you have no idea how this kid's going to develop right there the, the one thing about Danny Clark that's interesting is that he was never um, he was never LeBron James. There was no point. He was a big kid. He did start as a freshman at Maslin at quarterback. No one had done that before, but Maslin's not what Maslin was. Uh, they still have a fancy stadium and an indoor facility and all those things. They haven't won a state championship on the field ever. They've never won a state championship on the field since there's been a tournament in Ohio high school football. They've That's never crazy. won one. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. They won a ton of championships when they used to vote for it. And and so forth, but they've never won one when there's a state playoff. So it's been an awful long time since Maslin's won a state championship. And so uh, Danny Clark was, was, is, is a, a kid who bled scarlet and gray so much so that his father allowed him to get a tattoo when he was young with right. a block O that's on his arm. And he accepted their scholarship offer. And this was a kid they didn't have to do this to. They could have offered this kid a scholarship when he was a junior or a senior, and he would have taken it then, and they would have beaten him. They would have beaten any school in the country on this kid. Everybody knew the story of his dad driving by. They're originally from Central Ohio. His dad driving by the shoe and having him look at the shoe and say, one day you're going to play there. The whole mythology of it. Like There was just no reason to offer this kid a scholarship at that age. There's a lot of people complicit in, in how we get to this point. The media plays a small role in and by media i mean the the websites that trump up these kids and give them a lot of attention and give them interviews and give them a platform when they're probably too young to handle it uh that's a small part uh, their parents are certainly a part of it um not gonna tell anybody how to raise your kids you got to raise them the way that you see is see best fit um but you know probably getting a tattoo at 16 isn't the best choice uh that's a small part of it yeah the big part though is ohio state Ohio State made a big mistake here, and um, they're alleviated of the mistake now because Danny is decommitted. But I think we all know how this all shook out. 
And it's just an egg on the face situation that could have easily been avoided, my friend. And I'm, I'm guessing that you won't see this type of thing again uh, from the Ohio State recruiting group because they just don't make mistakes like this. And this, this was one that is that to me has substantial egg on the face. Well, and you got to hope that that's the case because I, I mean, that they don't make that mistake again, because I agree with you. And, and to, to be completely fair, I mean, I think you sometimes try to overreach in recruiting and and that's part of the, the whole game of, of trying to get the best kid and all that other stuff. And I, I can see how schools can get caught up in that, but by that same token, the writing had been on the wall for a long time mm-hmm. and it's just an uncomfortable situation. And it's also based on, you know, the coded language that we ask kids to kind of go along with when we talk about commitments nowadays, right? Where you're a, you're a semi commit, or this is a solid commit, or this is a, you know, like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And and we expect them to know that and parse that. And then we, you know, kind of wink and nudge when they, when they don't want to, you know, or when we, then when we expect that that's not the player that they want, right. When the team says we want somebody else, or we think we have a better commit, um, and to Danny, you know, to his, to his credit, right. I think he was incredibly gracious in how he kind Boy, of bowed no out. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of jokes have been made, I think at his expense, but I think he just was super classy today and, you know, he should be proud of how I think he's handled this situation. And I, I wish him nothing but the best going forward. I really hope that he has success wherever he ends up because that's a hard thing for a kid to deal with. And like you said, especially when somebody has that much of a connection to Ohio state, yeah, it it is. I, I root for him. I'll root for him. I think you. I think some of it. You know, if, if your Twitter handles the prototype and all of that stuff, like <laughs> sure. You know, but, but we yeah. all consume it. You know, we're yeah. complicit too because people consume it. People follow him on Twitter. People, you know, get you know they give him this plat. We give him this platform, and this whole thing has become so big, and and so we, I, we all have our share in this thing. But to me, the only person who's hurt in this is Danny. Really, in the end, I mean, he's hurt the most. This is his dream. I thought he was incredibly classy in in the note he wrote today, or however that note got presented. Whatever did, I'm guessing his heart was into it, and that was a great way to do it. Um, he allevi- he took all the heat off of Ohio State by saying right. it was about you know wanting to be a pro style quarterback or whatever. Which, um, you know, frankly, I, I it's hard for me to real to 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 buy. Frankly, if he, I think if <laughs> yeah, he's the only quarterback like, in this class, well, I could play for Urban Meyer right. or be a pro style quarterback at Indiana. Right. What, what, yeah, what, it what doesn't make do any here? sense. Yeah, no, it doesn't. And Urban coached Alex Smith. He was a number one quarterback and number one pick right. in the draft. So I mean, it, it's not that. And Urban recruited Cam Newton. He was the number one uh, quarterback in the pick in the class. So it, it, it's definitely not that. It's well, we all know what it is. They went after Tate Martell. Tate Martell fit their situation better. Tate Martell was the guy who they like to run their offense better in 2017. They got Emory Jones coming in in 2018. So there's just no, there's no reason to have in a tight scholarship situation. There's no reason to have Danny Clark. Now I, everything I've heard is that Ohio state was playing to honor that scholarship to Danny Clark. They weren't pulling it. um, Nothing like that. So they were going to honor the scholarship offer and they had to, he's an Ohio kid that I don't think they had a choice there. That would have been really poor form if they would have pulled that scholarship from him. But they could make it uncomfortable for him. And my guess is they've told him in not so many words, you're not going to get an opportunity. So Danny Clark has to move on. He's going to have to find a way to to deal with a giant block O on his arm at the next school that he goes to. And yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you do there. Uh, if you've seen Sons of Anarchy, Clay, when uh, when he was thrown out of Sons of, of, the, of the Redwood Originals, he had just basically put a giant black tattoo over his entire arm. Maybe that's what you do. I, maybe you do like a sleeve like Beckham. I don't know. But he's going to have to do something with that. 
Uh, but it's it's a tough spot, and I think everybody learned from it. Um, maybe Ohio State at that time, you know, that, that coaching staff was new to Ohio, and maybe the feeling was if you know this kid was special, and everybody kind of had heard whispers about him, and let's get him committed right away, and he can lead our recruiting for the next four or five years. But that's not what happened, and um, and he'll have to find another way. I'm like you; I root for him. I hope I hope he lands at Kentucky, Indiana, anywhere, and I hope he plays well. Um, I, I really do. I think everything I've heard about him is that he is a great teammate, really hard worker, really dedicated. And, um, I, I hope that it manifests with a successful college career. Yeah, same. And it, the other thing, you know, is that like, I have always wondered, and I, I asked some of the guys on the site about this, you know, when somebody throws out like a soft, you know, commit or something like that, or when they, they give a, you know, an offer or something like that. And it's just considered to be like a, maybe what would happen if a kid just says, you know what, you just gave me a letter. I'm signing it. Like I'm it's, it's in, it's right. in the mail now. Like what happened? How do, you know, I guess you can pull, you can always pull the offer, yeah. but I always thought it was odd that kids kind of play that game, especially when it comes to a school like Ohio state or some other big name school. I mean, I wouldn't honestly, if <laughs> now granted, I've always been a pretty marginal athlete, but if someone like that offered me a scholarship, I'd be like, your mistake, buddy. Like you just, you just give me the golden <laughs> ticket. I'm signing that thing. I don't give a crap. I don't yeah, care the about the subterfuge. Right. Like, the reason they it. don't is because most of those kids believe they're going to play in the NFL. Danny well, Clark probably thinks he's going to play in the NFL. And so he wants to play and he right. doesn't want to sit and he's not worried about getting a free education. He thinks he's going to play in the league. So yeah. um, or whatever you think about that, that's his kind of background on that would be my guess. It's a tough spot. Uh, in the end, I think both win actually. I think everybody wins. Yeah, I think he actually in the long run, once he gets his head around, I think Danny Clark will win because he's going to go to a place where he can play and um and he was never going to play at ohio state so to, to me in that sense it's a win for ohio state it opens up a scholarship and away we go from there but it's kind of gives you to me the not the best look uh, all the way around um speaking of not the best look all the way around last time we did a pod we were talking about the euphoria of oklahoma and that win and now we're going to talk about rutgers and <laughs> i had the most sobering experience today on the television show when I did drop two Jackie April jokes, Jackie April Jr. jokes on on the guys on the panel, and they both, all three of them, really looked at me stone faced because they had <laughs> never seen The Sopranos, and I realized then that I was the oldest guy on the set by a wide margin. And um, then I also realized I realized that The Sopranos debuted when I was in college, right. um, so that was a heartbreaking realization. And and then I thought, boy, these kids have missed out on the reason that we have Breaking Bad. And the reason that we had Deadwood or Sons of Anarchy or Game of Thrones or any of those things, it was like the first prestige drama, like the that that went all in. Yeah, well, and, it was, that uh, it was the Wire, it was were the, the two big ones, right? But the Wire didn't have the big mainstream success. The Wire True, was a yes. cult hit. The Wire became bigger after most people who have seen The Wire did not see it until after the whole series was done. Yeah. Uh, I was one of those people. I didn't watch it in live time. I watched it in its entirety in about probably started about 2007. And I watched it in like a month and a half, the whole series. That's how good it was. But um, but yeah, like the, none of these people I'm looking at Zach, DJ and Segs. And I'm going nothing, <laughs> nothing. The, the Sopranos and Segs has the audacity to say to me, well, I saw the pilot. I said, you saw them, and that's it? Like, that's a great pilot. And you just said, no, I'm good? I, I can't even wrap my head around that. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, it's... I mean, anyway, that was my whole Rutgers conversation was predicated on Jackie April Jr., who was at <laughs> Rutgers, and, and trying to become a doctor. And Tony was pissed because he was he was wanting to get into the mob, and we know how it all ended. But, right. well, maybe we don't. You and I know how it ended, and hopefully well, most people yeah. listen to the pod do. 
Right. Yeah, I, I can tell you what. We uh, we hired a bunch of people at the school, and they're like 22, 23, and they're yeah. great. They're, they're such good workers. They're so good teachers. Like, they communicate with the kids. But I'm like, oh, my God, I'm almost 10 years older than you. Like, I <laughs> I've never been in a room where that's the case. With yeah. Like, it's, 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 it's a mind trip. It's crazy. It really is. So, uh, anyway, that, that to me was the most interesting thing about Rutgers. I suppose Chris Ash coaching there is interesting. Rutgers, to me, Johnny, is my um, – it will be the cross that I bear because, I, to me, from Jump Street, this was the wrong program <laughs> to come into this league. It's right. been a bad fit from, from the start. Their ceiling is so limited. I think Chris has done a nice job. They've gotten better defensively. They were good against Iowa defensively. That was a close game, 14-7, to 7, but I don't know how good Iowa is. But um, I, I don't see this as being a very interesting game. And I think it can – I mean, the noon kick coming off a of bye, I just kind of envision a sluggish performance. And I think um, – I don't know what the line is on it yet, um, but I, I think it will be an ugly win. Ohio State will win. It will be ugly. I'm not going to get too excited about much of anything. My pick to click on the show today was Mike Weber because I think they'll just, you know, I think he could have a big game running the football, but it's just kind of a whole hum noon game. I, it's hard to get too excited for it. I know it's his homecoming, isn't it? So maybe that's what people get jacked up about. But in terms of the matchup, it's hard to see anything in it that's that's that interesting to me. I always thought it was interesting um, when people talked about homecoming at Ohio State, like as a student there, and people like, it's homecoming, guys. It's about to be homecoming. Nobody cares. Nobody gives right. a crap about homecoming at Ohio State. It's the least significant event in the yeah. fall for both students and people in Columbus. Like, I don't think anybody cares about homecoming. The The most notable thing that Ohio State ever did at homecoming was elect the cow, like the like the queen of homecoming, like in right. the 1920s. Like, <laughs> unless we do something like that, no one's going to care. Um, I, you know... What's interesting to me about Rutgers is that I believe Chris Chris Ash is kind of following the same pattern that Tom Herman and, and some of the other guys have done. You know, when you have these Urban Meyer assistant coaches going on to head coaching gigs, where they essentially it's it's a carbon copy of what Urban Meyer does. And he's you know you look at some of the the promotional materials that Rutgers oh, right. out there, and a lot of the stuff that they do, like in terms of uh, you know just trying to get the team motivated and whatnot, it's it's very 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 similar to what you see with Urban Meyer. And in that sense, I think it's interesting that you've got a little like you know Ohio State junior running around, but you know yeah. really crappy Ohio State junior. Yeah, like a destitute and, Ohio State. Yeah. Yeah, and, and like you said, I mean their ceiling is really low. They've obviously had an enormous amount of problems with their athletic department. Um, you know it's. It's interesting in the fact that it's Ohio State football, but if you're looking for some kind of storyline or something like that, I mean, it might be, is this team going to be sluggish coming out of the bye? But other than that, I mean, you want to see them just come out and just beat the living crap out of them. Yep. Uh, but that's don't basically let them hang. what I'm hoping for. And, and beyond that, I don't have like a particular like, okay, i got to check this out kind of thing. Yeah, no. It, from a, X's and O's, athlete for athlete, player to watch, development, I, there's just nothing. Like you just go it, you get in there. You hope you get out of it without an injury and, and you move it along. And we're all now, you know, the big development over the last, since the last time we talked is that Wisconsin goes into East Lansing and gets a dominating win. I mean, yeah. that came out of nowhere. I, them right. winning wasn't that shocking. I mean, I, I think people thought that they could win the football game. They, you know, they beat LSU, so they'd beaten a quality opponent, but that they went in there and smoked Michigan State and East Lansing shocked me. I just never saw that coming. And so we've got them in a couple of weeks. So now that game, I'd always circle East Lansing as like, boy, that's the tricky one. Maybe it's Madison in a couple of weeks. Maybe that's the tricky game. Yeah. And so we're all kind of pointing towards that game 
that's kind of out there and saying, okay, let's get ready for Madison. Let's point towards that. Let's build towards that. That that will be the focus. So we just kind of get to get through these two speed bumps the next couple of weeks until we get there. But in terms of the breakdown of it, I I, I don't really have much because I think, you know, <laughs> athlete for athlete, it is such an overwhelming advantage for Ohio State. Right. And, and really, you know, it's kind of like just to use a political, uh, you know, we watched the debate last night. And I'm sure you did as a, you know, social studies. <laughs> oh, teacher. oh I, I, I assuredly did. Yes. Yeah. So this is kind of the, that's kind of the way there, to me, there was no way that Hillary Clinton really could win the debate last night, because I think we all expected her to be really, really well read and really informed and kind of have an answer for everything and know what she was doing. In the meantime, our expectation for, for Trump was kind of limitless. Like he could say anything. I, right. I tell people, I mean, he won't call her the C word. I have no idea. It's all in play. Like he's a, he's a wild man. I mean, he's an entertainer. He's a reality TV star. He could say anything. And so they're, they're held to like totally different standards. So to me, like Ohio state Rutgers, Ohio state's Hillary Clinton. Like there's really nothing they can do. That's going to make people go, Oh wow, that was great <laughs> against Rutgers. Right. Like they're finally, they're kind of just, they just kind of got to get through it and and they'll look better because they're the better team and they they're the more polished group and so forth and so on Rutgers, like they have everything to gain in this thing there, right. there's nothing for them to lose uh but for ohio state it's just kind of like okay let's get let's just get through this we're the we're the front runner let's just handle our business i really want to see urban meyer in a pantsuit like a big Boy. bright red pantsuit i think that'd be yeah. glorious i think he'd look great in that thing wouldn't I think, think? He would too. I think well, he'd, he'd wear white up. he would go al davis because he likes wearing the white so i think he'd be wearing some sort of white pantsuit i could see him in that like elvis <laughs> like late 70s elvis style pants that'd be fantastic I could see that. So um, to me, the mo- well, go ahead. You got something on well, that? Yeah, just the one thing I want to say. So as far as the uh, the Rutgers game goes, maybe the one narrative you can pull out of it is that this is like the last noon game for a while. So you've got you know three thirty at you know against Indiana, and then you've got eight o'clock, eight o'clock, five thirty, eight o'clock. So a our beat writer is going to be really peeled about it. B, <laughs> uh, B though, you know you've got two road games in successive successive weeks against Wisconsin and Penn state, both night yep. games that started eight. Like I would say that you would want this to be a game where Ohio state gets healthy, gets their heads right. And then they can really start plowing through the big 10 season, because that's the other kind of narrative that I, I think maybe has been overlooked a little bit. We talked about this on the site um, briefly, but I think it's maybe something we will probably discuss a little bit more in the coming weeks, but injuries are starting to mount up a little bit. Yeah. Um, you've got with KJ Hill, like, you know, a lot of other guys who have been coming uh, down with some injuries and whatnot. Yeah. If that continues, if that doesn't kind of, you know, settle down a little bit, that could spell some problems in terms of depth. And that's not a problem that you want to have going into the Big Ten season. So yeah. that's linebacker to on, a good point. It's a great point. Yep. Injuries are big. And yeah, you, you definitely got to kind of just get through these things unscathed the next couple of weeks. To me, the most interesting thing about this game is what's going to happen before the game. I assume it'll happen before the game. Although it could happen at halftime, but probably before. When do they normally dot the eye for the if they have a special eye dot guy? Is it halftime yeah. or before the game? They usually do that at halftime. I was I was there when they did it for um uh for Jack Nicholas, but um check, yeah. And um that I was think their- I was there when they did it for Buster. No, I don't I think Buster, maybe but no, I don't know. They maybe did it, yeah, they did it with, they did it with Buster. Yeah, but I'm trying to remember if that happened when I was in I can't remember if that happened or not. Anyway, it to me it's one of the coolest things you can do in sport. It's one of the, especially at Ohio State, obviously, oh, yeah. it is unique in that the people that have had it, that have done it is short. It's a short list um, and it's an illustrious list. And to me, to have Earl Bruce dot the I in is one of the coolest things that the school has ever done. I, I love I, it. I absolutely love yeah, it. It's beautiful. And it's, um, I know Earl real well. So I, when I first 
moved to Columbus, I played golf with Earl John Cooper, my uh, former boss, Paul Spahn, longtime sports director at Channel 10, and Dom Tiberi. And we would play every mm-hmm. Friday morning, the first tee time. We'd play a fivesome, and we would play the first tee time at the Golf Club of Dublin. That's and, fantastic. Yep. We would, and so we'd play every Friday. We would play at 7 a.m. And away we would go. And we would play a round of golf in about two hours and 45 minutes, and it was a fivesome. Which is absurdly fast for those of you who don't play golf. Usually that's five hours, and we would play two hours and 45 minutes. Now, the part of the reason for that is because John Cooper, God bless Coop, he would, and I'll do some terrible impressions while I'm talking about this, but Coop (laughs) would, anything inside of eight feet is a gimme for Coop. Oh, hell, man, go ahead, knock it in. You just pick it up. You got that's a gimme. Pick it up. (laughs) I mean, that was his, that was really his, that was it. That's his go to. Like everybody shoots a record round with Coop because that's how he rolls. Everything inside of eight feet is a gimme. And just moving along. And Earl, would was so cantankerous and so much fun and dom would needle him the whole time and there would be on more than one occasion you would be like ready to hit your tee shot or getting ready to stick your tee in the ground on on a hole and out of the corner of my eye i would see this man walking down the fairway and putting a tee in the middle of the fairway (laughs) and it was earl and he was pissed off that they didn't have senior tees that he wanted. So uh, everybody else would be back here and you would see this man into the fairway, drop the pit and then hit. And then like, I guess we're not going to hit balls this time. So we'd go all hit from him <laughs> and that's the way you'd go. But he's a delight. Um, I have another story I'll tell about him. But but one thing that I just wanted to to, to bring it kind of together with, with is this. Earl Bruce is Ohio State. Oh, yeah. He coached at Massillon. He played at Ohio State under Woody Hayes. He coached under Coach Hayes. He coached at Ohio State and followed Woody Hayes. He bleeds scarlet and gray. I think he still believes he coaches the football team to this day. (laughs) On more than one occasion in the press box, when things aren't going right, you will hear him slam his fist or his hand to the press box table and yell at the team. His passion that he has for it now is the same passion he had then. It's got to be so special to have Urban Meyer as the coach. In fact, I know that it is. It means a lot to him. He views Urban as almost like a second, you know, like a son. Yeah, absolutely. That relationship's legitimate. Uh, Urban, the fact that Urban put Zach Smith on this staff, I can't imagine what that meant to Urban um, or to Earl. I'm thrilled that this is happening, and it could not happen to a better, nicer, uh, more true Buckeye than Earl Bruce. Yeah, I mean, the dude... (laughs) I, I don't know, like, sometimes I think what happens with coaches is that we get really caught up in, you know, winning and winning and winning and winning, and, and that's the biggest thing that matters, and it's always, what have you done for me lately? And to me, Earl Bruce represents that collegiate ideal, right, of someone who oh, just... Oh, absolutely, Johnny. You have that perfectly right. For, right, who just dies for your college, and, and, and just it just, everything about them is directed towards making your college better, and, you know improving the lives of the people who are there look i actually met earl bruce once um i i was really young i think it was about seven or eight and earl bruce was doing a thing in middletown called uh the pigskin round ball which is a charity event uh run by a neighbor of my parents and it's just it's 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 athletic scholarships for kids uh who excel like in the classroom and then on the field and all that stuff and they try to bring in speakers uh from football and basketball every year and that year, uh, Earl Bruce was speaking along with Gene Stallings and Abe Lemons, I think, and, and a couple other people. Sonny Gordon was there. And I was really young, and I couldn't tell the difference between one older guy and another older guy. So I got 
Earl Bruce's autograph, and I got Abe Lemon's autograph, and I got Gene Stallings' autograph, and then went back to Earl Bruce to try to get his autograph a second time because I couldn't tell him apart. And he just like <laughs> smiled and said, eh, I already did it once. It's good. And he shook my yeah. hand and he said, but I appreciate that you tried. And uh, that was it. And I just, I just remember like, I was super embarrassed. I was like, oh God, I didn't tell him apart. But he was super cool about it. And I just, I don't know. I appreciate when people are genuine. And I remember, like, I'm not old enough to really remember it, but Earl Bruce being carried off the field and, and just yeah. that to me is sports. I, I love that kind of human connection. And he has been making it his entire life, at, not just at Ohio State, wherever he goes. And I just really appreciate the dude. And, and man, there is nobody more deserving of this honor. Like, I'm, I'm pumped for him. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm, lo- I'm most looking forward to it more than anything else is is to see how because he'll be emotional. I bet he cries. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it will mean the world to him to, the, to do it. I can tell you that for sure. Uh, I did the coaches shows with him for five or six years. Maybe seven, I can't spend a long time, five, six, seven years, something like that. And it was always uh, many times it was he and I and Coop on the set. And we were, you know, that that was the thing. And some of my favorite moments were listening to them talk about or egging, you know, Earl was easy to get going. Like you could get him going pretty quick as <laughs> right. you can imagine. Like you could just say, God, you like one of his big pet peeves, like he thinks the whole pack 10 soft or pack 12 is soft. So like you'd say, well, I think Oregon's got the athletes this year. And he would say something like, you listen to me. They are soft. Then they're soft. Now they're always soft. You don't know anything <laughs> like that type of stuff. That would be his reaction to it. No matter what. It's fantastic. So Tom and I would say stuff to needle him and, the only thing that I would say, and I, I always felt sorry for Coop when it was Michigan week because uh, Earl's you know, resume, his legacy, all of it is that he had a winning record against Michigan. And right. so that was his thing. No matter what his record was, he beat Michigan. Well, Coop did everything except beat Michigan. It's the only thing yeah. he didn't do. I mean, he put the program on a national map. We know the history, but he couldn't beat Michigan. So it'd be every year it would become Michigan week, and we would start talking about Michigan. And I would always let Earl ask, answer the first question about it. And he would always say something along the lines of, let me tell you something. If you don't beat Michigan in this town, you're nothing. You hear me? You're nothing. And he would say it into the camera. And Coop would have to follow that up. Like, here's this guy and their friends standing next to him, telling him, if you don't beat Michigan, you're nothing. Oh, and man. Coop has to follow that. So every time after we got done with the Michigan segment, Coop would go, man, but why the hell is he got to do that? Why are we going to bring that up about Michigan every time? <laughs> and it was, the, it was like something we did every year. It, that it was, <laughs> but Earl, that was his, that was his, uh, what his constitution was. That's right. That was it. Like you beat Michigan or you're nothing. I don't want to hear about anything else. Man. And for, for Coop, it was uh, obviously didn't work out that way, but they're, they're great friends. And I adored Earl Bruce meant so much to me. In my time in Columbus, um, the way he made me feel at home and was such a kind and generous man with his time, I adore him. And I'm very, very pleased. So that will be something that that I look very much forward to on Saturday is is seeing him dot the I. And that's a that's a short list. And I'm happy that he's somebody who's going to be on it. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm. I, you know, and again, I, I was able to see that with uh, with Jack and, and whatnot. But, you know, I I'm going to be really excited to see how Urban Meyer reacts, how the entire stadium. Yep. Reacts. I think it's going to be great. I would agree. Um, and speaking of coaches who are uh, who were fired, we had one this week in Les Miles. Who yeah. I think those of us who like college football or love college football are worse for it. But of course, you and I are not rooting for LSU. And I think if you're an LSU fan, you're better for it because for whatever reason, like there's something about Les Miles that's wild is that he just doesn't give a damn that the convention that 
that that he should have changed. Like, right. it's amazing that he just basically keeps saying, no, I'm not going to learn how to throw the football and we're not <laughs> going to develop passers and we're not going to play this way and we're not going to manage the clock and we're going to eat grass and we're going to go for it on fourth down when we shouldn't in our own end. And, and we're just going to do this unconventional thing. And I'm going to be this hilarious personality in my press conferences. And I'm going to underachieve with a program that's probably a top 10 program, I suppose. But eventually he gets axed. It happened for two reasons, pretty clearly. Number one, it this them firing him now allows for nobody to it, – it, it keeps him from winning a big game that would allow him to keep the job for another year. Right. There's no job saver. He can't go beat Alabama and keep his job. His players love him. Everybody who's played for him loves him. Um, and so this keeps him from doing that. It keeps him from having a game down the stretch that gets him to stick around for another year. And the other thing it does is it puts him in pole position for Tom Herman. My yes. inclination on this is that the first per call that they made, although I've heard reports that they reached out to Urban too, but that's silly, um, that the first call they made is going to be to Jimbo Fisher, that he's their first choice. I know that they offered Jimbo Fisher $7 million last year to be the head coach at LSU, and Jimbo Fisher turned him down. Fisher has an incredibly complicated personal life. We know the story of his young son who has a terminal illness. Um, and so him and his wife are divorced. His wife was caught cheating on him. Uh, so they're divorced. They're co-parenting in Tallahassee. The kid's there. I just can't see a scenario. And I do think Jimbo Fisher would have interest in the LSU job, big interest in the LSU job, but it's just not a fit uh, at this time in his life. And um, and so I, I just think uh, that'll be a job he passes on. So the next call that they make, and it's probably already been made, is to Tom Herman. Right. And what it does is it puts them at the in the pole position for Tom Herman. Like they can get it all lined out. Um, what I'm curious to see, Johnny, is this is Texas and USC both have lame duck coaches, in my opinion, less so Texas than USC, but USC definitely, they're not going to roll with Clay Helton. Okay. To run the USC. program, <laughs> He's not the coach and, of the future. No. And I think that Texas could also have that with Charlie because he's never been fully, uh, embraced there and he hasn't won enough. Frankly, I could see. I'll be curious to see how Texas and USC handle this because it's my belief that Tom Urban is Urban Meyer 2.0. Yeah. He's Urban Meyer coming out of Utah. When Urban picked any job he wanted, he went to Florida. He could have had the Notre Dame job. That's what Herman is. So LSU's in the pole position now. Texas and USC are on the clock is, is the way that I kind of view this thing at the moment. Well, I mean, he's got the pick of the litter, right? I mean, Herman can go wherever he wants. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, like Urban, I mean, Urban grabs this kid out of Iowa State, and now he can coach two of the. I think two of the. I think the three best jobs in college football are USC, Texas, and Ohio State. And right. He, he might have the pick of the two, and I think LSU is a top ten job. Yeah, and and just the. I mean, literally within like five years, the the trajectory of his career, right? Like, I mean, yeah. it's, it's unbelievable, and it's earned too. I mean, the dude is brilliant, and he's obviously done some incredible stuff at Houston. You know, I don't know. I mean, if, for, if I'm Herman, I mean, I don't, I'm not him. I don't know what he wants to do with his life. And I think the great thing about his choices is that it doesn't have to be predicated on, you know, what's the best program, all that other stuff. He can just pick whatever's the best fit for him. Because like you said, those, those suitors lining up to talk to him are all pretty, pretty great. Like he's not going to have to go, well, you know, maybe I can be a little more creative over here. They're going to give wherever he goes, a blank check to him to do whatever he wants with the program. He's not going to have a lot hanging over his head. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think there's going to be a lot of speculation about what he ends up doing. 
Uh, I personally think that USC is going to be a really nice draw for that dude. I, I think it'll be hard for him to turn that down, but he's got all, he's got a while to, to think about it. And, um, you know, LSU got that pole position, as you said, but ultimately it's going to come down to what he wants to do with his career and his life. And I don't know that, you know, one team getting in ahead of the other is really going to make too much of a difference on that decision. Yeah, the other two are, he would slip into seamlessly. Yeah, uh, he's a California kid, so SC had right. to be something that he dreamt of. Uh, you know, any t- whether to play there or coach there, or whatever. Um, and then Texas, he spent. He was in. A, he was a grad assistant at Texas, so that's a no brainer. Uh, those are the two best jobs. It's Texas, it's USC, it's Ohio State. Those three. LSU would take a little bit of a cultural shift. It's a little different animal in Louisiana than it is in Austin, Texas, and it is in USC. But I think he'd adjust to it quickly. He's a great recruiter, obviously, but you're you're recruiting a little different player in Louisiana and Alabama, and you can primarily recruit Louisiana and West Texas, East Texas, at LSU. Mm-hmm. That's primarily where you go. But you got to dip into Florida, and Herman would be fine there. But I think it would be a little bit of a cultural shift for him, where the other mm-hmm. two would be seamless. I mean, I think he would. I think he'd slip into the other two jobs, and uh, both would fit like a glove. So, uh, I'm sorry to see. I'm interested to see. Like Les Miles has already said that he will not, not coach. He's going to yeah. coach somewhere, and I'm, I'll be very curious to see what he does. Like if he's if he's going to be a head coach and you know go to a lesser place, or will he be an assistant coach? Like would he be an assistant coach for Harbaugh at Michigan? And how hilarious would that be? Honestly, um, like that's what I thought. The if I'm if I'm less like that's the move. If I if that's if I'm him, like I'm like all right, I'll be a quality control guy for a couple of months. I don't give a well, crap. What, what the hell is his place. expertise? Like, would he be? I don't even know if he's a defensive coach or an offensive yeah. coach. I don't. Even I was know. thinking about like, that too. Like, I don't. You know, because like with Brady, Hope, right? Like, so uh, you know, I I think Les Miles is still a talented coach. I, I don't think he's an A tier coach. I think he definitely you know has some deficiencies. Uh, well, he's that are a pretty obvious recruiter. Yeah, and recruiter. yeah, and that's that's what I'm saying. I mean, he doesn't necessarily have to go to a, a school comparable to LSU, but he can make a mediocre program very good. And he's not going to probably take them to the national championship or anything like that. But there are a lot of schools who would be very happy to have him as their head coach, and a lot of schools with you know a decent uh, legacy and a decent kind of tradition that I think he could you know make into a force. So it just depends on where he wants to go. I personally just want him to go to the Big Ten. I don't care where, just because I want him in the conference because it's hilarious. Um, yeah, I, I want, I'm trying to think now. Like the most logical place where he would actually coach would probably be Penn State if they ran Franklin. Yeah, I mean, there's no, I, I don't, there's no play. Maybe Nebraska. He'd be really interesting at Nebraska. He'd be hilarious, um, but, Nebraska. But but Mike Mike Riley's doing a nice job there now. But there's really no other job. I think he's smart enough to know that those other jobs, most of the other jobs in the Big Ten, are pretty dead end jobs. And right. obviously, he's not going to get the Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State job. So, or Iowa for whatever reason, they love Ferentz. So, uh, really, it's like Nebraska and Penn State are kind of the only ones out there that are kind of worthy of him, don't you think? Like, I'd hate to see him go coach at Indiana or something like that. I mean, that would suck. To <laughs> there are a lot of dudes on a lot, of, like, a lot of Purdue guys on Twitter really stumping hard after that. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, I'd hate for him to have to go to Purdue and dream big, and guys. Like. I mean, seriously, like, yeah. Yeah, that's no good. I, I'd feel I'd feel terrible for him for that. So we're we're all a little we all lose a little bit though when he's not in the coaching lexicon. So I was sad Agreed. to see him go. Uh, do we have some ask us anything this week, my friend? We do. We have some questions, and you guys can ask us anything in a number of ways. You can hit us up on uh, Twitter at eleven dubcast, or you can send us an email uh, to dubcast at eleven warriors dot com. And the first one we got here, uh, this is from Jason. He wants to know who Jim Harbaugh's favorite band slash uh, singer is. Uh, especially given what we know about previous 
uh, mission coaches and their their favorite uh, their favorite musicians. Don't you uh, think? I I would I have no idea, but my guess on this would be like I I envision him like uh, Survivor Eye of the Tiger. Like that would be my <laughs> guess that he wakes up. I could see him waking up like uh, Marty McFly's dad in Back to the Future with like the headset blaring, just flying up. For some reason, I picture like, and I have no way of proving any of this, but like 3.45 in the morning, flying out of bed with uh, Eye of the Tiger and then guzzling a gallon of whole milk and then like running 12 miles. Like that's how I think he starts his day. Um, uh, that's, that's, my, that's the best I can do on how I think Harbaugh listens to music or chooses his lead singers. I think that's perfect. I, I honestly like he probably just has a rotation of montage songs on his iPod, you know, from the 80s, like, you know, Karate Kid, Rocky, you know, basically <laughs> every single possible thing that you can think of. Like the did Meatballs have a montage. I think he would be a very like, you know, I think that would be something up his alley. Just basically something that just, you know, tells a story of triumph. I think that's how he lives his life. And uh, Jason also wanted to know the same question for Brett Bielema. Um which I, you know, personally, no, I think Brett Bielema, is, like, Brett like Bielema is probably like Dixieland delight. Now yeah. <laughs> I bet it's like Alabama. Uh, who's great. I love Alabama, but it's, it's probably like Alabama Sawyer Brown. I mean, I bet he seems like he has fully wrapped his arms around Southern. Uh, yeah. It just seems like he's just loves the hell out of it. So I would say that he maybe Skinner Freebird. I could see him blasting that. Um, I would say that Bielema probably rolls that way. And that's probably very different than what he rolled. He was probably like Kiss Army or something when he was a kid or, you know, he grew up in the Midwest. But but now he's like, I, I could see him totally being all in on, uh, you know, Southern rock or country music. And that's plus like in this, if you, I spent so many years in the South, if, if you hear like people always think it's like, you know, Sweet Home Alabama, really Dixieland Delight. If you hear Dixieland Delight in a bar in the South, the place the roof comes off. I mean, it's just the places go nuts. I don't care where you are. You can be a piano bar. You can be at a sports bar. You'd be at a club. You could be at a uh, cigar bar. And if Dixieland Delight comes on, the place goes bananas. That's crazy. Yeah. I'm, you know, look, I'm a big fan. I love Southern music. I like, I'm a huge, big fan of uh, jam bands. I really, one of my favorite Southern bands is Little Feet. Um, yeah. I, I'm a big fan of that kind of music. Uh, but honestly, if I were picking one for Brett Bielema, does wait, does Piggly Wiggly have a soundtrack? Is that like, is that, <laughs> do they have, do they have a collection of songs they play? Um, cause I feel like that might be something he really, you know, that, that's something he might yeah. gravitate towards maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, he got his butt kicked last week too. I feel, I mean, he really got smoked. Oh man. Yeah. And, and, and that's, him. that's the crazy thing about him. And you know, I, He's the perfect coach for a team that wants fleeting success. Like if, if you love the idea of being really good for like three games in a row and then sucking randomly, Brett Bielema is your dude. Like he's, he's the best coach for that. He um, did a hell of a job at Wisconsin. I mean, if you think about yeah. now, he, I mean, he really, I mean, he beat Ohio state when they were number one, like he did a hell of a job at Wisconsin. I, and he was such a delightful enemy. I, I miss him tremendously. And I, I just don't know, like, that's the other thing Like we were talking about miles. Like you wondered, like, what is the expectation at Arkansas? Right. How do they view themselves? I mean, that's, you know, who's, what's the line from Paul Newman? A man's got to know his limitations. Yeah. That's, that's really, that is really how these programs have to be. Like I wonder, but I, and I, so I wondered like, does Arkansas know its limitations? Does it know it's not that it's Arkansas and that, that, that they're never Frank Broyles isn't walking through the door and they're not going to win national championships anymore, that those days are done. Like, I, I don't know. 
I don't know how they view themselves. Like to me, that Bielema is about as good as it's going to get it at Arkansas. Yeah, and, and that's, I mean, and like you said, he fits with the culture. They like him there. I, I think as long as he just does his shtick, they'll they'll stick with him. Um, but, you know, I do miss him in the Big Ten because he is a perfect villain. And not only that, but a perfect foil to Urban Meyer just because. Yeah, the opposite know, in every way. Yeah, like they are just perfectly misaligned, and I, I kind of miss playing that dude on a regular basis. I do too. Um, all right, next question we have here. <laughs> this is... This is a very interesting question. This is from uh, from Cooper here. Uh, is it shameful to microwave your bacon versus frying it over the yes. stove? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know why that's a de- like. Of course it is. That's Come horrible. On. You miss the smell. Yeah, it's soggy and gross. Now I've heard people uh, bake bacon like 400 degrees with like a oh, drip yeah. pan. I've seen people do that, and I'm told that it's good. Uh, to me, bacon, it's the process, you know, you have to cook it on a very low heat. You have to continually turn it. You have to, to me, it's, it's arduous. There's a reward to it though, you know, and it should be hard because it's terrible for you, but it's delicious and it all works. Like you get the smell and then you got to clean up. It's like the final punishment. Like you got all that grease at the end. To me, bacon is done exactly the way it should be on a frying pan on the top of a stove. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's the only way to enjoy it. Like I don't get it. it it's uh, that's I thought that was how you're supposed to make it. Frankly, I didn't think there was any other possible. Way. And if you do it in yeah. a microwave, isn't it like it's gonna get germs everywhere? You're gonna spread like streptococcus or whatever the crap it is. I don't know. Screw I that. Have no interest in 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 microwaving bacon. Yeah, I, I just would never do it. Yeah, absolutely disgusting. Uh, last question we have here. This is from Brett. Brett wants to know. You know, how should we maybe contextualize Alabama's? season so far because their their signature win so far right is is not looking as great um so are they still like are they are they the team to beat are they really the number one team absolutely there's um because of a track record because we know how uh, nick saban recruits look we're in the same spot with ohio state right now i mean people are saying the same thing about the buckeyes they're saying well how good is that win over oklahoma is oklahoma worth a damn i don't know they were sluggish against tulsa blah 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 people will question them the next couple of weeks but because you know how nick saban recruits because you know how he coaches because you can look, you've watched football and you can watch the team and you go, boy, they got a lot of players, right? So because right. of those things, yes, they're the num- they're the defending national champions. They're one of, look, we're, the interesting thing to me though, Johnny, is we're at a state now where, and I'll, I'm just doing this off the top of my head, but there's only like, what, like eight teams that can win a national championship. If you go Alabama, if you want to add Tennessee, although I think they have no chance. So if you want to go Alabama, Tennessee, Texas A&M out of the SEC, and really, I think only Alabama has a shot. Yeah, Ohio State, yeah. Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Michigan from the Big Ten. Michigan State's eliminated. You can't have a thirty-six loss at home to Wisconsin. No. Um, everybody from the Big Twelve. I, mean, I can't see. I guess Baylor. We, if we want to throw Baylor in, there's one. Um, <laughs> You're Clemson, being awfully generous. <laughs> yeah, I know I am. I'm, I'm trying to make it as big as I can. Clemson sure. and Louisville. Although one of them will probably be eliminated this weekend. Yeah. And then Stanford. I'm at right. ten. That's it. There's nobody else. Houston is kind of like the 11th. So maybe there's 11, but I think I stretched on like four of those teams. So really there's like five or seven teams and Alabama's at the front of the list. Ohio state's second. I mean, those are the, to me, it's where they should be at this point. Yeah. I I think that's, that's fair to say. And, and, and granted, you know, it's hard to extrapolate how a team is going to be at the beginning of the season uh, and how they're going to be performing at the end of the season. I hate, I hate, the idea that you can just go back in time and say, all right, well, this is how the team performed in week one. So therefore this is how they perform in the playoff or in a bowl game. I think that's insane. I think teams evolve so much over the course of the season. We've seen that so many times, particularly in 2014. Um, So I, you know, 
I agree with you. It's a very small field, but I think I've stopped not giving Urban Meyer and Nick Saban the benefit of the doubt. If they say their team's good and the team looks good, it's probably really, really good. And yep. you don't have to have an ar- like an argument beyond that. You may wish it that they weren't so good, but uh, they they're good until proven otherwise. And I'll just go ahead and believe that they're awesome. I, I can't. You can't prove to me. Uh, without showing me a loss that Alabama isn't the top team or at least one of the top two or three teams in the country right now. Absolutely. They have banked so much goodwill and right. they've recruited at such a level that you'd be silly to doubt them. Right. And I hate it, but it's, really that's the way it is. Yeah, but I'm sure just like the rest of the country hates it with us. I mean, exactly. it's the same thing. I mean, it, when you're at the top, every, you know, your people love you and everybody else hates you. It's, look, right. I'd rather be that than have everybody be apathetic about us. So <laughs> oh, yeah, good thing, I'm sure if you're if you're Alabama. So yeah, they deserve to be there. Ohio State second. Those are the to me. Those are the, those two teams are the class. And then I, you know, then it gets interesting with with Michigan with who I think I always thought was a little overvalued, but they were so dominant over Penn State and they've really looked good at times. And then you look at like you know, then it's Clemson who's been shaky and Louisville who's been great, and you wonder if they're going to come back to earth. And then Stanford's out on the West Coast hanging out. I think they play Washington this week. So I'll be fascinated to see that. But um, yeah, I don't think there I don't think this year there are great teams. I think there's five or six teams that can maybe be great by the end, but I don't see anybody who's great right away. And um it'll I'm fascinated to see how it plays out over the next couple of months. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean it's there's gonna be a lot, a lot of big games coming up, uh, especially in November, and I'm I'm excited to see that. Um, okay. Before we get out of here, we asked you to help me with the turkeys. You didn't, none yes. of you did. We had right. we get no help. Is that right? So no, no help. That's so that's fine too. Um, but that, that's real unfortunate because I really needed your guys' help and we didn't get any. <laughs> so now what's happened is, is the turkeys came back about a week ago and my wife called me. It was about six o'clock and she said, the turkeys are back. Do I really have to chase them? And I said, yes, you do. And she said, why? And I said, because if you, if we allow them to start thinking they can live on our lawn, then they will never leave. And they'll think right. that it's their lawn and we can't live like that. We live in a society and the turkeys need to know their place. <laughs> so she cussed at me and then she ran out and it was six o'clock. So she's like feeding the eight month old. It was, it was not, not a good look for me, but she's got to do it. So she puts the eight month old down my two, my three-year-old, almost three-year-old and my four and a half year old go out there with her. So she goes down to chase these turkeys. So the turkeys get realigned and they start heading towards my three-year-old. Okay? Oh my God. So now she's in full panic mode. So now my uh-huh. wife is in a full-on sprint screaming at these turkeys to go like away. When she comes around the corner of the lawn to the, we have like a basketball hoop driveway thing. And yeah. when she comes around, she sees my three-year-old holding a lightsaber, a toy lightsaber, <laughs> Screaming at the top of his lungs at the turkeys, waving <laughs> the lightsaber. The turkeys see my three-year-old son, Parker, and they bolt to the oh woods. My God. They were terrified out of their minds because my three-year-old had a lightsaber. That's fantastic. Um, it was fantastic. And so uh, they had not been back until today. They came back today. And as soon as I opened my door, my three-year-old went running out after them, chasing him, yelling at him. <laughs> and we threw some golf balls at him, and they ran away. So... <laughs> That's where we're at with it. Um, and the, the lightsaber with your, uh, with your child there. That's good. He's incredible, dude. He's, he's, uh, I have one, my one son, my, my oldest son is Abraham Lincoln. And my, my middle son is, is John Wilkes Booth. Um, <laughs> he just, like he's, he's just one of these guys who, uh, you say like, who do you want to be for Halloween? Darth Vader. <laughs> like he just always chooses the dark side but he's a uh, sweet kid and he scared the turkeys off with a lightsaber so god bless awesome. him yeah he, he gets the he gets a buckeye leaf for this week there's no for him. 
Yeah, yeah, very solid. Uh, all right, brother. So we'll get all jacked up for Rutgers, and we'll watch or we'll watch uh, our good buddy Earl Bruce because that'll be special. So enjoy Absolutely. that, folks. Understand what the institution means to him, and when I tell you it means everything, I mean it means everything. Uh, so it'll be a fun moment. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you next week. Yep. Talk to you next week.